Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Well, let's continue on our journey into God's promises. Uh, the, the title for today's message, if you want a title, is It is Time to Build. It is Time to Build. Father, please bless your word. Grant me utterance. Anoint every word that is spoken. Let it bring transformation, change, break yokes, lift burdens, and do much more, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's time to build. As the children of Israel journeyed um, to the promised land, when they got to Mount Sinai, uh, right after Mount Sinai, they, they were given instructions by God to build a tabernacle. Uh, this ornate tent that they were to build became the central point of their journey into the promised land. Uh, it was a, a physical tent, sometimes called the tent of the congregation. And the name tabernacle in the Greek, the name Mishkan, would mean a residence or a dwelling place. It was really a movable, portable place of worship for the children of Israel. It was the earthly dwelling place of God. It was where God met with Moses and met with the people. The children of Israel believed that God lived in this tabernacle, this tent. In the tabernacle, there were many paths to it. There was an altar where sacrifices were made to God. And crucially, apart from the other things that were there, was the Ark of the Covenant of God in which the tablets, the, the, the tablets that had the Ten Commandments were placed in. This Ark was symbolic of the presence of God. And so as the children moved on this their journey, they would carry this tabernacle, this, this tent that was so intricately and on, ornately adorned with beautiful gemstones and, and gold and diamond. They would carry it with them as they continued their journey. For this was the physical representation of God being with them. Inside this tabernacle, this tent, was the symbol of the presence of God. And so this tabernacle was seen as God's residence, God's dwelling place. And God himself gave very detailed instructions as to how this tabernacle was to be built, how it was to be furnished, and the materials that were, were to be used to build it. No time to go into that, but if you start from Exodus, the 26th chapter, all the way to the 30th chapter, you find details of how it was to be built, how it was to be furnished, how the things that would cons constitute its furniture was to be made, and specific detail as to the kind of materials that, it, that was to be used in building it. 
And they, they continued to meet God, worship God in this tabernacle until the time of Solomon when he built a temple and the ark was now put in a physical temple that was stationary uh, in the Holy of Holies. And they also believed then that God now dwelt uh, in the Holy of Holies. And that's why no one could go in there apart from the high priest. And even then, only at certain times of the year. Well, what's the significance of, of the tabernacle to us as 21st century believers? That was a tent uh, that was portable in the desert thousands of years ago. Well, the significance is this. For them, it was a building, uh, a structure that was built by the hands of men. But then the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says this to you and to, and to me. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So the focus then was a physical structure, initially a portable, movable one, but eventually the temple that Solomon built and the later temple uh, that, that, that was built by Zerubbabel. But it was a physical structure. But then, for us as New Testament believers, the focus is not a physical structure because guess what? If it was a physical structure, the church would have died in this pandemic because the physical structures have been locked down but then you and I know that the church is marching on. You're growing in your faith. I'm growing in my faith. We've enjoyed our worship, even though we haven't been able to do so together in a physical sense. That tells you very clearly that in, for us in the New Testament church, that the focus is not the physical temple, but the focus is the temple that you and I have, have, have become as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the focus is you and I as the temple of God. The body of Christ is made up of temples, and you and I are the temples that make up the body of Christ. And our focus today is to learn lessons from the tabernacle that we can apply to our own lives. Lessons about that movable place of worship, that physical temple that Solomon built and that was built, rebuilt after it had been destroyed. What can we learn from how they built it, how they related to it? What can that physical temple, that tabernacle teach us about this tabernacle and this physical temple. Number one lesson that we learn, God will always make provision for his temple. For them, it was a physical temple. For us, of course, it is you and I, the temple of God, together the body of Christ. 
in the same way that God made material provision to build the tabernacle, and you know he also made material provision through Solomon to build the temple. And even after the temple was destroyed, he made material provision to rebuild the temple is the same way that God makes material provision to build up this temple, the body of Christ as a, te- as a collection of temples of God and to take care of it. God is the one who makes that provision. Exodus the 12th chapter, verses 35 to 36. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now, why would they, God grant them that level of favor? They were going into the desert. They were going to be in that desert for 40 years. They certainly didn't need, didn't need silver or gold and the amount of clothing that they took with themselves. In fact, I'm sure you remember that the miracle that God brought their way was that they didn't need to buy new clothes. Their clothes were literally renewed. So they didn't need all these things if you looked at it with the, with the natural eyes. But God knew that at some point, sooner than later, I am going to want to build a residence, a dwelling for myself, and I am granting them favor so that they receive plunder, the Egyptians, so they have the material, the resources, material resources for when I make a call to build the physical tabernacle. There was purpose clearly from the beginning. There was purpose for the wealth that God gave them. It had a primary purpose. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Why does God give wealth? The Bible says God God gives it. God makes the provision. It is all about God. That's why the Bible says, honor God with, with, your, with your substance, with your, with, with, the, with your first fruit. Honor God with your wealth. That's what the Bible is saying. Honor God with what he has blessed you with. Because it is God who gives the power, the enablement, the grace, the favor to get wealth. And the sole purpose is for the sake of his covenant. And in the same way today, 21st century believers, God also gives us material resources. The primary purpose is not the purchase of material things. It's not an ostentatious lifestyle. 
The primary purpose that God gives us material resources, please hear me out, is so that we can also build up the body, so that we can take care of the body. The primary purpose for wealth is for the body of Christ if you're a Christian. Of course, there are secondary purposes. Of course, we're blessed by it. But the focus is really that we might be able to build up the body of Christ the same way that his purpose for giving them wealth was to build the tabernacle. Number two, If God, the provision is from God. That scripture in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says that it is God who gives the power to get wealth. You can get wealth from many different places. And there are many people who can give you wealth. And they give you wealth and they attach their own conditions to it. But for the Christian, the wealth comes from God. We acknowledge God as the giver of the wealth. So number one, the primary purpose is for building the tabernacle. Number two, the, the primary giver, the one who gives wealth, is God himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, incidentally, just, just um, I, I don't know if I have time to go through all these scriptures, but just, just to show you the purpose of wealth, Exodus 25, verses 2 to 9. Exodus 25, verses 2 to 9. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering, God says. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's rams, ram skins, dyed, dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the, in the ephod and the breastplate and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. That's an amazing scripture. Everything that was needed for the building of the tabernacle, the children of Israel already had. So God said, tell them to bring it. What was God saying? The thing that I blessed them with when they were leaving Egypt, now I need it. Tell them to bring it. They have it. Hallelujah. Number three, God expects that as his children, we will have a generous spirit. That we will be willing because we understand that the primary purpose of this blessing is the body of Christ. If I am a Christian, that is my primary responsibility. Of course I can do other things. I can pay school fees and try and get my children into good schools. I can travel on holiday. But all those things are secondary. The primary reason that, I am being, that I've been blessed 
with these material things, that favor came upon me. Because we must acknowledge that it is by favor and by grace. It is not because we worked harder than everybody else. No, it is God who has chosen to favor us. Time and chance have collided in our favor and have granted us what we have. We understand that. And so God expects, because we understand that, we received it in that manner, that we have a generous spirit. In the scriptures we just read, verses 1 and 2, Exodus 25, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. It, that is the way of the Lord, that it's, it's a willing offering. It's a generosity of spirit. We are not cajoled. We are not harassed. We are not badgered. We are not bullied. We are not using scripture to manipulate. But because the spirit of God has touched people, because people understand that God has been so generous, because people have a commitment to building the modern-day tabernacle, the body of Christ, because people understand the advance of the kingdom, because people know that favor caused it to come to them, people are willing in their hearts. And God says, take it only from those who are willing. You know what that tells me? Some giving can do things in a natural sense, but it doesn't touch the heart of God in heaven. Where the motive is, is not right, where it doesn't come from a willing heart, it doesn't touch the heart of God in heaven. God says, take it from those who are willing. And you know, it's not just in terms of giving in a material sense. Number four. It is also giving our gifts. So yes, we can give out of our material resources what, what God has blessed us with, and we should. That's what, that's what this is all about. It is about us having the generosity of spirit to keep, to, to give for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of building the temple, the tabernacle, the body of Christ. And building up, not in terms of buildings, but building up the body of Christ. Raising mature Christians, all that goes into it. Winning new Christians, all that goes into it. But then he also says, we learn lesson number four, that we also, God also expects us to give our gifts to this work. Exodus 31, verses 1 to 5. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, the, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting, in cutting jewels, for setting, in carving wood, and to walk in all manner of workmanship. And then he goes on to say, verse 6, and, and indeed I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make 
all that I have commanded you. Now, God knew what he wanted. Don't forget it was God who gave Moses detailed plans as to what the tabernacle should look like. But then God had also already empowered those, the Bible says, in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship, artistic works, works in gold, silver, bronze, the list is endless, carvings, wood, all manner of workmanship. Those who had the gifts, they were creative. They were given these creative gifts by God so that it could be used to build the tabernacle. They were appointed, the Bible says, by God. Gifted artisans. Wisdom was put in their hearts. They would look at things and they would, they would carve it. They would engrave it. They would chisel it. They would build it in such a way that when you looked at it, the Bible called them curious works. These are works that make you stop in your tracks and marvel at the, um, at, at the, at the, 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 the wisdom of God, that God could give a man or woman the ability to do this. And do you know it's no different today? It's just that because of a, of a spirit that is sweeping the world where people are selfish and only concerned about themselves, you have people who are sitting in church who are gifted by God, who don't use their giftings for the building of the modern-day tabernacle, the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about building humans, human beings, building uh, God's creation, sons and daughters of God. There are so many gifts that are dormant in the church. People use the gifts in a secular sense, if you, if you, if you believe in that distinction but they don't use the gifts for the kingdom. But I don't believe that there is a distinction. I believe that as kingdom citizens, even if we work in a secular environment, we are advancing the kingdom. Those gifts must be used to build the body of Christ. That's why God gave them to us. God says, I gave them wisdom, understanding, knowledge, all manner of workmanship, And I just want to commend a lot of our people who are gifted in information technology because they've really advanced this work the way they've given their gifts to this work. You know, we, do, we put together, the, God led us to put together the prayer shield. The team that worked on that prayer shield, those are, those are the Bezaliels and their Holiabs of the 21st century church. Those in Jesus' house, those are some of our Bezaliels and our Holiabs as they used the gifts that God had given them to advance the kingdom, to build the body. And so whatever gift that God has given us, the primary expression for that gift is in building the body of Christ. Number five. God expects us to use the favor that put us in places to build the body of Christ. So many of us find ourselves in places of, of favor. 
like Esther, we must understand that it is God's grace that brought me here, and I must build the body of Christ. You know, we learn a lesson from the Jews. If a Jew gets in somewhere, the first people he thinks about, and, and, and why not, are his people. The body of Christ is so dysfunctional that a, a Christian gets in and he wants to keep or she wants to keep other Christians out in some, some places so that they can be the only shining star. But Esther knew that she was there for her people. The favor that takes us to places is not just for us. It is to protect, to preserve, to advance the kingdom of God, protect and preserve the body of Christ. I'll tell you a story about a man called Joseph of Arimathea. He was a wealthy man. He was a member of the council, the Sanhedrin. But he was also a secret follower of Jesus. Now, after Jesus had died, he went to Pilate. The Bible records it, one of the records, is in Matthew, the 27th chapter, verses 57 to 61. The Bible says, Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. This is a sermon for another day. There are many Josephs of Arimathea, many people who are people of substance, many people who have found themselves as a result of favor in favored places. This man, Joseph, the Bible says he had become a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, what we would call a Christian today. And when Jesus was dead, he'd been crucified, the man went to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. Please don't tell me that man was not a man of substance. Pilate was the governor, he was the ruler. For him to have access to Pilate, he was obviously a man of substance. He had favor with Pilate. And when he asked Pilate for Jesus' body, the extent of the favor, don't forget there was a lot of controversy over Jesus. Why should Pilate give him the body of Jesus? But obviously, he had weight with Pilate. He had favor with Pilate. Pilate gave him the body. He took the body of Jesus. He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and he laid it in his, new t in his own new tomb. And they tell us those things cost a fortune which he had prepared for himself. 
The church is in desperate need of Joseph's of Arimathea. People who will use their place of favor on behalf of the body of Christ. On behalf of those who are the temple of God. People who will go in and, and pave a way for others to follow. Your guess is as good as mine if there hadn't been Joseph. What would have happened to the body of Jesus Christ? I guess it would have been buried anywhere, cast into some shallow grave, was still left outside so that the vultures would have descended on it. When the Josephs of Arimathea in the, in the body of Christ don't rise up, they expose the body of Christ to be cast off, to be ridiculed. They I want to share this story before I pray. Exodus, the 36th chapter, verses 2 to 7. It's time to build. Exodus, the 36th chapter, verses 2 to 7. Then Moses called Bezaliel and Aholiab, and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work, everyone whose heart was stirred. If the Spirit of God does not stir the heart of a people, then anybody who is asking those people to support the building of the body of Christ, the advance of the work, will have to do so by the way of man, and that will involve man manipulation. The Spirit has to stir the heart of a people. And my prayer is that the Spirit will stir your heart because God needs builders at this time. The Bible says, And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. Now, Moses had asked for all these things. He had said, you know, bring your gold, bring silver, bring bronze, bring blue, purple, scarlet thread, linen, goat's hair, ram's, hair, ram's skins, dyed red, badger skins, wood, oil, spices for the anointing oil, sweet incense, stones, precious stones. He said, bring all these things. So that scripture says, and the people brought them to Moses. And then Moses called these gifted artisans. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought. Now, the gifted artisans were the ones who were going to execute the building. You know, I just want to commend the, 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 the volunteer workforce here. You're, you're part of those gifted artisans as you serve in this church, a multimedia team who are serving with their gifts. Um, you know, uh, uh, those who are serving in, 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 in when, we were, when we were together, I mean, when, we were, when the pandemic wasn't on, those who served in the various other ministries, those are gifted artisans. They are using what God has given them to serve, administrative gifts, creative gifts, uh, those who sing in the tribe of Judah, those who play the musical instruments. These are all gifted artisans. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Something had happened in their hearts. They had connected to God's plan. 
They had connected to the vision. They had understood that I am blessed to be a blessing. They understood that this favor was simply so that I can advance the work of God. I can build the body of Christ. I can be a Joseph of Arimathea and make sure that the body of Christ is protected from vultures and scavengers. I can give the body of Christ a foothold. They understood that. So when Moses made a call, their hearts were touched by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says every morning they would just bring more and more of what God had blessed them with. The Bible says, so they continued bringing to him freewill offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. That is my prayer for Jesus' house. That one day I will be able to say to Doc, to Pastor Badge, to my wife Shola, to the rest of the pastors, I will be able to say, for the vision that God has given us, the people bring too much of themselves, their gifts. They are so committed. They go beyond the boundaries of duty. Look at the sacrificial giving. Even at a time like this, something has happened to our hearts. We are giving ourselves completely because we understand that it is by grace that we received it, by the favor of God. And so we, we understand that God gave it to us so that we can be a conduit so that his body, the tabernacle, the temple can be built and built up. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were, were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. And that leads me to a word that God spoke to me. Before today, I thought it was a word that God spoke to me personally, for me and for my family. But as I finished this, I felt it impressed on my heart. I didn't plan to say this, but I felt it impressed on my heart that that word that God gave me wasn't a word for me, for my family. I thought it was a personal word, and I've been praying into it. It's a word for the church. And what is the word? The patriarch dug a well. They quarreled with him over the well. They wouldn't let him draw water. This is what God laid on my heart. For. I thought it was for myself. He moved on to another well. I remember the name of one well was Essek. The name of another one was Sitna. Both names spoke volumes. Quarreling, strife, contentions. But he pressed on because he desperately needed water. This is when the Lord was encouraging me. And then he went on and dug a third well. And at that third well, nobody came to strive with him. There was no contention. The water was pure. The water was sufficient. To borrow a phrase from that scripture, indeed, it was too much. And he called that place Rehoboth, a place where the God had made space. 
a place that was large. And so the Lord spoke to me and said to me, because I was praying about certain things, that I'm taking you, I've taken you through Essek, through Sitna, and I'm now taking you into Rehoboth, that in this season of this pandemic, where there is lack, where the economy is shrinking, you will find your Rehoboth. Does it make sense? It doesn't. But then, doesn't the prophet Isaiah say in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, I believe it is, that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And as the Lord laid it on my heart, I want to believe it's for someone out there. I want to believe it's for you, if you will receive it. That as you make a commitment to be used by God to build the body of Christ, to use what he has given you by favor in terms of material resources and gifts that he has given you. As you renew your commitment and, and, and look forward to and, and look for opportunities to, I want to believe that the word that the Lord just brought to me reminded me the Spirit of God is for you. That by his grace, because you've aligned with his plans and his purposes, in the midst of these difficult times, like Isaac, you will have a testimony of a harvest. You'll be able to also say, like the patriarch, that you went through your Essek and your Sitna, and you are now at your Rehoboth. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for a few things, but I first want you to pray because nobody can tell God your story like you. I want to pray for debt, for those who are enslaved to debt. I want to pray that the anointing of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God will deliver someone, you, from the shackles of debt. I'm not saying that you should try and imagine how it will happen because some of the debt is a lot. But believe me, the creator of the ends of the earth, with him nothing is impossible. As you align yourself with him, I want to pray that there will be a deliverance from death. You were, you, you were born into the kingdom of God, into freedom, and you can't be, continue to be a slave to anyone or anything. That's the first thing I want to pray for. I want to pray secondly, and you're going to pray it if it, affect, if it affects you, you're going to pray for yourself. For the stirring and, and the release of creative gifts. Again, this is a word that God gave us, both my wife and I that the Lord is breathing on creative gifts, releasing creative gifts. And I pray that as you align yourself with the body, the creative gifts that God put in you will be released. I want to pray for that. And so if there's any other thing you want to pray for, thirdly, I want to pray for those who are in a difficult place. You might have lost your job, lost your contract. Your business has shrunk. It's universal. But don't forget, 
There was famine in the whole of Egypt. But in a little place called Goshen, where the children of Israel were, were, the land was verdant. It was lush. What was the symbolism of that? God does not function by the interest rate of the Bank of England. No, the silver and gold is his. It might not appeal to you intellectually, but your intellect hasn't got as far. So why don't you just believe God? So I want you to pray. If you would just bow your heads and pray for any of those things. Go on, just begin to pray for them. Begin to pray wherever you are in your home. Go on, begin to pray. Cry out to God. I've brought you a word. Believe, believe that word. Believe that word. That God wants to take you to Rehoboth. God wants to release you from slavery to debt so that you can align with him and fulfill the purpose of being one of the builders of the body of Christ. Go on, begin to pray wherever you are. Begin to pray. Father, we just thank you. Sweet Holy Spirit, anoint every word spoken by your children. Guide the prayers. Sometimes we know not what to pray as we ought. So help us to pray. In our weaknesses, Holy Spirit, come and help us to pray. Let us pray the mind of God in this area as Heavenly Father. Father, we just thank you. We bless you. Sweet Spirit of the living God, come and help us and give us the words to speak to our Father in heaven. And where the words fail us, come and help us with that prayer language that you have blessed us with. Holy Spirit, grant us utterance as you begin to speak to the Father, as we speak about these things that we have heard and these things that we're praying about. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you will number each person who is watching, wherever they are in the world, Father, distance doesn't matter. I ask that you will remember each family. And Father, where we have made mistakes, I stand in the gap and I ask, oh God, that as they stand with me confessing their mistakes, where they have been careless, where they have been negligent, where they have spent extravagantly, where they have allowed lust to drive their pursuit, Heavenly Father, and debts have been run up, Surely, Lord, those things are not too big for the blood of Jesus to cover them, wash them away. I ask, O oh God, as we confess and repent, Lord, that there will be a realignment. I sense, Heavenly Father, that there's a realignment, Heavenly Father. As our hearts align with your word, your plans, your purposes, Heavenly Father, I pray for a realignment, O oh God, in this area, in the lives of your children. Almighty and everlasting God, you promised that signs and wonders would follow the preaching of your word. Heavenly Father, I have shared what you laid on my heart. Let signs and wonders follow. Father, let there be awesome testimonies, O God. Father, not so we can consume it on our own lusts, but so that we can be builders, Heavenly Father, because it is time to build. And Lord, it is like you, O God, to choose to build in a pandemic. We thank you because your ways are not our ways. It's like you, O God, to choose to build in a time of famine. You did it before, Heavenly Father. You're not a respecter of persons, O God. Do it, O God, for your children, O God. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory, Heavenly Father. Father, visit each person who is connected, O God, by, 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 by this service, Heavenly Father. Let testimonies abound, O God. You know the circumstances, Father. We thank you, O God. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. As we end, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to do so. 
And if you want to do so, I would be privileged to pray with you. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we just want to thank you and bless you. We thank you. Go and say, say, say after me, Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation. I open up my heart and I receive your son Jesus into my heart. I declare I am a child of yours. I turn away from anything that is sinful. I repent of it and I commit to changing my ways. Give me the grace by your spirit. Thank you for accepting me into your family. By this prayer, I know that I am now a child of yours. I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if you said that prayer, it's worth celebrating. There's been a translation. You have moved from what the Bible calls, the, 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 you have moved from darkness into his marvelous light, and you have an opportunity to go on this journey with him into his promises. Father, we just thank you. We celebrate you. Heaven is celebrating you. God bless you.